make money online. Are we qualified to do this podcast? <sighs> <Are we? laughs> I feel like after 34 episodes, we should just drop that on everybody. <laughs> like, uh, everybody just unsubscribes immediately. But, like, really, like, do you think, like, do we deserve to be doing this? <laughs> like, so, so I am, as always, going to relate it somehow to a Magic the Gathering thing. Uh, so in Magic the Gathering, there's different card game expansions. And there's two different de design philosophies they follow when building an expansion. There's what they call top-down design and bottom-up design. Top-down design is where you start with a concept and then you fill it in. You're like, okay, in this expansion, we want a card that represents a magic lamp. What would that be like? What would that represent? How would we... Uh, uh, demonstrate what a magic lamp is like within this setting. And you fill in the different attributes of the card that way. Bottom-up design is where you say, okay, we have a hole in the design file. We need a card that fits these criteria. Maybe it's, you know, this rarity has this type of effect. We're, we're trying to build from the bottom up and have it fit in. And when I think about whether somebody's qualified for something, I like applying that top-down versus bottom-up philosophy. So, you might be hired for a job as a consultant and you're filling in the pieces as you go or you might say, oh, I'm going to construct my own thing and build build what it looks like as I go. Either way, there's some aspect of figuring it out as you go along, which I think is, is true in any type of consulting engagement you have, be it productized or not, be it one-off or not, be it your first time or not. But when it comes to are you qualified to do something, well, are you qualified to do it like from the top-down approach? Like, hey, I understand the idea. I'm just going to fill it in as I go along. Like, what does it look like to do a podcast? You know, we could start, we could see, we could pivot, we could iterate on it or bottom up. Okay, we're going to really map out what this podcast looks like. We're going to fill in the blanks and then we're going to launch the thing. So I don't know, from a top-down perspective, I think we are qualified to do the podcast. We both came into it saying, this seems like a fun idea. Let's see what it's like. Let's try it. Let's test it out. We could do a couple episodes and see how it feels, change it. And we definitely have changed it in small, subtle, and sometimes drastic ways since we started. And I also think we're qualified in the bottom up sense since, I mean, we have a Trello board with a dozen plus episode descriptions on here. You and I are constantly talking about like, how do we build a better podcast? How do, what's the design philosophy for making a good podcast? And uh, uh, so I think like, off the top of my head, I'd say we are qualified to do a podcast, but there always is that thought in the back of my mind, like, why us? Why does somebody tune in to listen to us? What, is, what makes us different or unique or special? Why, why this and not another podcast? There's at least 10 other podcasts in iTunes, I hear. I, I have not looked. Uh, I hear eight, actually. I think we're the ninth podcast on iTunes. Excellent. I'm glad to hear they're growing. Yeah, yeah. We're really, we're getting big. Um, but like, this is the first podcast I've ever done. You've done a bunch of podcasts. Like, what makes... I mean, I've guested on podcasts before, but that's literally just me bloviating into a microphone. I don't even listen to podcasts. I don't have any on my phone. I'm going to be deleting the podcasts app when the iOS 10 comes out, and they can let me, you know? Like, on, on the face of it, I shouldn't be doing a podcast, and I shouldn't be doing a podcast that's listened to by how many people now? Like, at least 15. And... Uh, Mom, I know you're listening to this because you comment on these episodes of Make Money Online. I wanted to say thank you for being our 15th listener. Um, we're really, really grateful for the opportunity to, to speak to you about running your own independent business, which is obviously something that you do. She doesn't do that. I, I look at how I, I took the plunge on this and decided to do it. And I'm like, by on the face of it, 
there's a million reasons why I should have qualified myself out of this, right? I have no podcasting experience and I'm going on with somebody who literally gets people on podcasts for a living, right? Who knows everything about podcasting experience. And then I'm starting to make creative direction on it. I can't tell you how many times I've kiboshed music in the background of this stupid fucking podcast. And I love you, but like, how did I get to the point where I went from like, like podcast zero to podcast a little to starting to like creative direct the thing and like push back on it. Well, part of it is that I don't feel comfortable with too many people talking about business than I do Kai Davis. So the person in particular that I'm talking to right now, that helps a tremendous amount. If um, somebody way out of my league or that I perceived as out of my league was like, Hey Nick D let's start a a podcast together. Let's say, um, Alan Weiss, Michael Beirut. That was the guy I was about to say. Michael Beirut, friendly, kind human being. I've shaken his hand a couple times. He would probably not recognize me in a crowd. He is a like world-class famous designer, um, all this. Let's say Michael Beirut calls up and is like, hey, Nick D, let's start a podcast together. I would be horrified. I mean, I would love to start a podcast. If Michael, if you're listening, you are our eighth listener. You can start a podcast with me anytime. I will pick up that phone. It'll be great. But if he did it, I would be like, oh my God, like all of a sudden I'm doing this thing with Michael Beirut. Like, do I deserve to be doing this with Michael Beirut? And there's that D word again, deserve, right? You deserve fuck all, right? Like you don't deserve success with a podcast. You don't deserve failure with a podcast. Also, Let's go down catastrophic thinking road. Let's say Michael Beirut calls me. I do a podcast and the first episode comes out and it's an unfettered disaster. Now, what does unfettered disaster mean? It can mean either nobody listens to it, in which case, great. Nobody listened to something. There's no expectations. Unlikely with Michael Beirut. Probably a lot of people are going to listen to it. Let's say I fall flat on my face and everybody's like, well, Michael Beirut's great, but that Nick D guy is a complete schmo. He should get a new podcast host. Well... Okay, that's probably the worst possible case. Is that actually going to happen in practice? Do people do that? Unless you're saying something like obviously offensive and horrifying, which you can fix in editing. And you could just tell Michael, your friend, Mike, hey, how's it going? We, we can call, I can call you Mike, right? Like everybody calls you Michael, but, but you're Mike to me. I love you. Um, we just need to like do a lot of approval steps on this so that I feel comfortable, right? Now, you have to have the confidence to say that to Michael Beirut. <laughs> um, and he's probably going to be like, okay, great. We'll just have a battalion of people on it because I run Pentagram. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you, you, know, you have that pushback and then you try and figure out ways to account for it. So there, what I'm, the reason I'm saying this is if you feel like an imposter all the time, there are strategic and tactical ways out of it, right? So if, you're fe- if you feel like you are uh, a complete sham of a business owner and you feel and you feel really nervous about putting yourself out there in terms of uh, press okay great ask for quote approval ask for article approval you know i know somebody who didn't ask for quote approval and he got a hit job article written against him in chicago's equivalent of the wall street journal a couple weeks ago and like a lot of people were like really this guy that like you know he like drove me to my friend's funeral and all this. Like he did all these wonderful things for me and gave me like paid time off when I'm a barista and uh, like really that guy. Well, yes, actually that guy, because the way that he projects himself as a business owner is not the same as him being like a normal person and, and all this, like you just need to make sure that you're 
accounting for the things that you think might be a problem in a way that does not show insane amounts of weakness. Also, a very good way to show weakness is to say no to the thing and to think you don't deserve to do it and to get a huge amount of stage fright around it. I, um, I'm going to not name the website, but I worked for a, a website that did um, tutorial content for an industry that's historically underrepresented for women and minorities. And I reached out to a lot of women and I was like, in this and I got them on the phone. And I was like, well, why haven't you submitted anything yet? In a polite, kind way. I was like, you know, what's your thinking? And a lot of it amounted to stage fright. And a lot of people of any gender, of any any background, they get stage fright. White dudes who are operating with the game on easy mode get stage fright. And it is, I mean, we, we can veer into therapist territory pretty quickly about this, but it's also like... You have to recognize that the stage fright is there, and it's almost like meditation. You kind of just let it pass by and then figure out what to do with it. And that's what's helped me a little bit. Um, Also recognize that calls for entry for stuff, like if you're going to write a guest blog post or a podcast or something, they're probably worded horribly and in a way that excludes you. They're worded horribly Um, in a way that excludes you. The criteria is artificially set very, very high to get rid of all the people who are just terrible at applying for the thing or submitting for the yeah. thing. And so like, it might say like, you must have 15 years of experience writing guest articles. And really, if you show up and you're halfway competent, they'll be like, we'd love to work with you, please. Thank you. And yeah, yeah. But nobody tells you that, right? No. Nobody tells you that in college or when you get on the field or anything like that. And you read all that qualifying language and you find every reason to leave. You must have 34 years writing Ruby on Reels code. What? Uh, what, what? No, okay. I guess I won't apply to the job. I tell you, man, you don't make 350K of annual revenue in a business finding every reason to leave. Right. The only person in life who could honest to God tell you that you deserve a seat at the table is yourself. And I've spent probably of my 30 years on the on the planet, 24 of them continually disqualifying, disqualifying myself from opportunities because, I mean, like this goes back to middle school. They invited me to the talented and gifted program. I disqualified myself because in my head I was like, oh gosh, no, people will like single me out and I don't deserve this and I shouldn't do this. And I'm like, fuck, well, I wish I was in the tag program. I was bored to hell in middle school. Why didn't I take advantage of this? Because... I convinced myself, you know, you don't really deserve that guy. And there's so many points in my life where I could point to making that decision where somebody said, like, we'd love you to do this thing. And I was like, I can't because I'm going to make up a reason right now because it was too easy for me to. Because it's Tuesday and it's that's Shabbat, right? I, yeah, like... it's, it's I, I have a loaf of challah. I really need to stuff in my mouth right now. And. Yeah, it's so easy for me, for the listener, for Nick, presumably, like, it's easy to convince yourself you don't deserve a thing or you don't deserve to participate a thing in a thing, even when the person inviting you in is like, we really, really, really want you to take part of this. I mean, even like jumping back to W Freelancing Conference US last year, I was invited to speak at it. It was one of the first times I've given a talk uh, to freelancers and consultants about my discipline. And I was like, oh no, there's no way I could do this. Oh, holy crap. And like, I was was really, really scared shitless. I was chewing Valium like nothing else to get myself to the talk. And then the talk happened and the talk was easier than I expected. And I came through the other side realizing like, whoa, All it takes to really earn a seat at the table is the willingness to say, I would like a seat at the table. And the worst case scenario is somebody says, 
oh, the table's full right now, or there's some criteria, or you might need to wait a bit, but you've at least started and initiated that discussion. Like imposter syndrome for me, I discovered, is really sort of an internal fear talking. And this this connects to uh, uh, this Buddhist philosophy of monkey mind that there's there's a voice inside of your head, you know, the voice that's always saying like, you aren't qualified to do this, you aren't good enough, people are going to laugh, you look funny, that haircut sucks. And you can never really get, it's like a seven-year-old who's just being a brat to you. You can never get rid of that voice, but you could learn to hear and see that voice, acknowledge the voice and say, thank you, monkey mind. I hear you. I don't necessarily need to listen to you. And more and more imposter syndrome or defeating imposter syndrome has been observing it through that lens and reacting to it in that way. So instead of being like, I don't deserve to sit here, I'm instead able to say, well, part of my brain is saying I don't deserve this opportunity. Why is that? Do I really need to listen to that part of my brain? Or is that something really, really exciting? Like, uh, uh, I mean, a really personal example is Burning Man. I've wanted to go to Burning Man for 10 plus years. I've noped out of three camps over the past five years, not necessarily because of imposter syndrome, though that definitely played a part, but because of health problems, family health problems. And I've a really exciting opportunity to go to Burning Man in, uh, let's see here, 17 days from the recording of this episode. And up until about a week ago, I was like, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go until all my friends were like, listen, you've wanted this forever. Why do you keep selecting yourself out of this thing you really want? And the answer came down to, because I'm afraid of what if, what if, what if? And they were like, okay, what are the chances of those what ifs happening? And I was like, pretty low. And they're like, okay, so why are you self-selecting out? And it reached a point where I just had to stare my own imposter syndrome or my own desire to qualify myself out of something I really wanted straight in the eyes and say, this is my brain lying to me. I deserve a seat at this oppor- at this table. I deserve this opportunity. Why am I not acting on this opportunity. I could choose not to, but I need to choose not to with my eyes wide open, not out of fear, not because I feel like I don't belong. And I think that idea applies wholesale to consultants and freelancers who feel imposter syndrome. Oh, I don't deserve to write for this thing. Uh, I'm not qualified for this. Uh, This project's too big for me. I can't, you know, switch my positioning to this because I don't have enough experience yet. Well, is that you honestly talking or is that your monkey mind saying you should be afraid right now? Is that your, you know, uh, lizard brain being like, there's something scary out there. Be afraid. Hide, hide, hide from the tiger. Probably the lizard brain more often than not. People will find any good reason to qualify themselves out of something for what amount to emotional reasons, right? They'll trot out everything and it will look ridiculous to somebody else. Yo, fuck your emotions. They don't matter. Not when you run a business. Take the blog post opportunity, spread the word, or you're not going to have a seat at the table and you're going to fuck yourself. And even on top of that, every single interesting, exciting, or even, dare I say, good opportunity that's happened to me over the last two years has come not even from being offered the opportunity and realizing I should say yes, but showing up and doing the thing and just participating, not waiting for the invitation. Like I think imposter syndrome could even hit a stage back where it's not that somebody came to you and is like, we'd love you to you know, help with a donk a donk. And you're like, I can't because reasons. But 
you don't even think to approach the person to say, oh, you're doing a thing involving Padankadank. I'd love to learn more or get involved or help or participate or whatever. You could disqualify yourself stages earlier. And so many good things have started happening when I just started showing up and being like, I want to participate in this thing. And you know what? 90% of the time when you do that, people are like, awesome. We're so happy to have you on the team. Since maybe they've been having imposter syndrome. They wanted to do a podcast with Nick D and they were like, Nick D would never say yes. He's so busy. He does make money on Line. He just bought the house in Chicago. He, he would never say yes to this thing. So they've imposter syndrome themselves out of this opportunity. But when you show up and you're like, hey, I'd love to work together, they're like, oh my gosh, this is wonderful. I'd love to. Yes. So it, it works on both stages and imposter syndrome can hit even before the opportunity itself is presented to you. So I've, I've really become a fan of showing up and participating and like not even waiting for somebody to say no, but just showing up and participating and seeing what happens. 99% of the time, people have been like, hey, we're so happy to see you here. I'm happy you showed up. I'm happy you're you know, taking part in this thing. 1% of the time, they're like, oh, this isn't a good fit or oh, we're you know already booked solid. And okay, whatever. There's a great ratio there. I'd much rather have the 99% of opportunities where good things happen and you know, 1% of the time, not so good things happen where I'm told no. And it's like, okay, cool. I could deal with that. But it starts with showing up. It starts with realizing you deserve a seat at the table, even for whatever reasons come to mind, disqualify you. Set those aside for a second and say, well, what if I even, what if I try it even because of these reasons? What if I ignore them for a bit and just show up and give the talk, write the article, do the project, approach the client, uh, build a relationship with the person? I mean, like uh, uh, Nick and I can, I don't, I'm not sure if I told this story on the podcast before, but Nick and I connected because I read his draft revised sales page probably two and a half years ago. I was like, and you stalked me. I, I literally stalked you. I signed up for your mailing list and I was like, I want to make friends with this person. I started replying to every single one of your weekly letters with like short sentence long replies at first, paragraph replies. Then I remember like you wrote one article like, these are all the questions I'm asking about my consulting business. I'm not really sure what direction, but you know, this is like an open letter about things I'm thinking about consulting. And I wrote back like a 2000 word reply and you wrote back a line, we should have a Skype call sometime. When's good for you? And here we are, two and a half years later, good friends, podcasts, conferences, yeah. doing all these things. I one-on-one -on -one met zero people when I visited Portland for a conference three, two years ago, something, except for Kai Davis, whom I had a five and a half hour long conversation with. And that was the first time we met in person. Um, so, I, you know, that was also, um, I just want to note, that was a much nicer and kinder way of saying fuck your emotions than, than I had. And I just wanted to say, you, you always are the nice one on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, like, there's, there's value to asking, right? And being proactive and actually pulling up a seat at the table and doing all of the other lean-in, fiddly crap that, like, actually helps you advance yourself professionally. And no one else is going to do that for you. No one. No, regardless of your background, regardless of, you know, I know it's easy for us to say this as white dudes. Um, I know a lot of people are probably eye rolling and pausing podcast and salting the earth or whatever have you because it's two white dudes yelling about this. But it's true. And it's what the system is. And you have to play it. I, I mentor a couple of my close friends in uh, a salary negotiation and job negotiation whenever they have a promotion coming up and whenever they uh, switch jobs. And a majority of the people that I work with in this capacity, it, it's all pro bono, it's because I love doing this type of work, are women and who historically are at a disadvantage when it comes to negotiating compensation or 
uh, asserting themselves within that context. And it's been amazing how often we've had success just working together and me saying like, listen, like they've offered you the job. We're in a good space here. What if we ask for this or let's find some justification for this salary increase. With one of my friends, I helped her, I think, get a $25,000 a year raise just by showing up and asking where before it was easy to qualify oneself out of making that ask. So I, I guess, yeah, pulling the seat up to the table and seeing what happens is a really viable strategy. And you might feel like, oh gosh, I don't belong here. I literally had a dinner a couple months ago with some friends where I looked around and I'm like, everybody here is making like four times what I make, Jesus, why the fuck do I belong at this table? But I realized belonging at the table isn't necessarily you meet this criteria to have a seat. Belonging, uh, like money-wise or business-wise or growth-wise, belonging at the table is showing up and sitting down and saying, hello, it's exciting to meet you. Tell me about what you're doing. It's not that there's a bar you have to meet to get inside. It's it's a bar inside yourself that you have to emotionally get over. Like, I mean, you have that wonderful animated gift we'll share on the show notes, uh, what is it? Uh, it sounds like you need to get over your personal problems. Uh, yeah. So somebody actually made this gif of me. I did not do this, but I uh, was on a Skype call with somebody and I literally said, you need to get over your problems. And they were recording video of it. And so now there's a video of me captioned with, you need to get over your problems, um, which is an in-joke in my relationship, which is hilarious. And that that turned into like a, a battle against imposter syndrome is just kind of flabbergasting to me but yeah mm -hmm. but I, th I think it's really true like a lot of it comes down to the internal game that we play the internal game of consulting that internal mindset of consulting and mastering it and i don't know if it's necessary to look to consulting books for the answer on this i don't know alan weiss's latest book maybe i haven't read it yet but i think reading books more about philosophy or mindset or books about uh, mindfulness or books in that genre are helpful just to center yourself and help give you some direction in terms of, well, am I feeling something here that's realistic or am I feeling something here that's just the lizard brain screaming and I need to say, hey, lizard brain is cool. You could calm down. There's nothing to be afraid of right here. No bear is going to eat me if I show up at the table and start making friends with these people I don't know yet and see what happens. So, yeah. Yeah, that's it. And then profit. <laughs> and then profit <laughs> get over your problems and then profit god i was i was rough on this episode i'm sorry everybody <laughs> but like it's i don't know like you're dealing with a rigged horrible system and your lizard brain telling you that you should screw yourself over all the time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you need to beat it back because you're wrong mm-hmm Yes. Yeah, honestly and truly. And as somebody who has dealt with anxiety issues, who has dealt with like crisis avoidance issues, who has dealt with uh, assertiveness issues his entire life, the biggest change in terms of the opportunities I was presented with, the friendships I can make came when I start when I started making the intentional decision to show up and see what would happen. Because the worst case scenario is I'd show up and somebody would be like, oh, hey, stuff. And okay, we have a conversation then. Like, uh, uh, I've pitched podcasts before for myself as a guest or for a client as a guest, and they aren't like, how dare you? How 
dare you. They're like, hey, you know, we actually have some criteria. We really appreci appreciate you reaching out, but here's our criteria list. Let us know when you like match these criteria or get close and we could recontinue the conversation. But for right now, you know, we just have like this list of who an ideal guest is and you don't quite fit that. It's not you. It's just who we've decided to make this a space for and let us know once you, you know, match up with this criteria. So I don't think there's a worst case scenario as bad as we always imagine there being. There's just what is and what we do and what we experience. And it, it, it partly comes down to getting over that fear and partly comes down to practicing the habit or exercising the muscle of showing up and seeing what happens. And I mean, a shout out to Amy Hoy, who's been wonderful to help me see this. Uh, multiple times I've mentioned to her like, oh, I'm, I'm so happy, you know, like this event happened or you invited me to speak at this thing. And she's like, why are you thanking me? Like, you're a good speaker. You deserve to speak at this. And like, I realized in that moment, it was my own internal fear and imposter syndrome saying like, oh, Kai, even though you're speaking at Bacon Biz, you don't deserve to speak at Bacon Biz. And it finally clicked when she said that. Like, well, no, it's not that you don't deserve. It's that your brain is lying to you because your brain for some reason hates you. So learn to identify that and just put it to the side. See that your brain is a little bit afraid right now and might not be telling you the truth. And whenever your, whenever my brain at least does that, I always try to take that step back and say, well, okay, I feel afraid right now, or I feel like I don't belong, or I feel like I don't deserve it. this. Why? Is it, is it because I honestly don't deserve it? Or is it because my brain's just being a little weird right now? And taking that few moments or taking those few minutes just to analyze it and say like, is this an opportunity that I want to act on? Yes. Qualifications be damned. If I feel like it's something I want to do, let's do it. I'm the only one who could decide if I deserve that seat at the table. Yeah. I mean, you know what the real catastrophe is? You not having the courage to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. right? The catastrophe is you walking. Mm-hmm. It wa only matters for you. I, I have walked from countless opportunities in my life where somebody has said, here's a cool project we'd love you to be involved in. And I'm like, oh, I don't deserve to. I shouldn't. You should ask someone else. I'm busy. And have literally made up excuses to not go out with people or not attend an event or not like participate in a group project because of the fear. And looking back on it, I don't feel angry about it. I, I feel sad about it in the way I'm like, oh, Kai, past Kai, I'm so sorry you didn't get a chance to do that because you listen to that part of your brain that tells you those stupid lies sometimes. I'm much happier now to be able to say like, well, I'm, I'm in no way perfect at this. I may be a year to two years down the road of practicing this and experiencing this, but at least I'm building that muscle of recognizing when my brain says, you're an imposter, you don't belong here. Take that step back and say like, whoa, wait a second. Why am I saying that? What would make me think that? Did somebody say that to me? Or am I telling myself lies? And just giving myself that bit of pause helps me get over that that fear. Yeah, yeah. Well, then you should just call everyone back and say yes, then. I, I If I could find my phone, I would. <laughs>